We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we have a 49ers victory to talk about, a resounding victory. They thumped the Falcons. They did what they were supposed to do. And we're going to talk about that. We'll have the pick six to wrap up the week and see who's three picks one. Let's get into it because we have a season. Hey, this is George Kittle and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. has got him and a second back inside the 30 yard line Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13 yard loss quick pass caught by Kittle he dives and he's in touchdown 49ers the 49ers did what they were supposed to do today Chris we're recording this Sunday night I was trying to come up the, the Falcons are bad they stink, dude. The Falcons like, are bad, but it was it was definitely one of those wins where it was like, all right, they took care of business. Like this is what a game against a team like that is supposed to look like if you're a playoff team. And now, if you believe in you know probability models and all that stuff, and you look at five thirty eight, they say the 49ers have an eighty eight percent chance of making the playoffs. And so the Niners have won six of eight. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing well. Kyle Shanahan can withstand not having Elijah Mitchell. Um, Debo Samuel can be used in a ton of different ways and is continuing to be one of the league's best players. George Kittle is playing his ass off and playing really well and becoming a focal point in the passing game again, which seems like it took too long to get here, but it's back. And Brandon Ayuk's making plays, and Jimmy Garoppolo is playing clean football, right? Like he's efficient. He's not making terrible mistakes. I thought he played well today. I know, you know, his numbers are really good and and all that. Like what, what really stood out to me and you, you and I had the same view in the press box is like, there were not a lot of throws in the traffic. Mm -hmm. Like Jimmy Garoppolo was completing a lot of passes to guys who were just wide open, which speaks to what Kyle Shanahan does schematically, but Garoppolo played well. The offense didn't turn the ball over. They had the turnover at the uh, on the opening kickoff, which was completely horrendous. Brutal. And then they didn't turn the ball over again. They got a turnover. It led to a touchdown at the beginning of the second half. And, you know, they didn't win the turnover battles 1-1, but they did get three turnovers on downs. The Falcons had five plays at the one-yard line and didn't score a touchdown. They had, like, what was it, 13 plays inside the 10 and didn't score a touchdown in, on any of those. Yeah. So, like, the defense played well enough. Nick Bosa, probably defensive player of the year candidate still. Um, overall, just what you want from a win if you're a 49ers fan and you expect this team to look like a playoff team. Because to me, coming out of it, it's like, okay, 49ers look like a playoff team. They're winning games at Cincinnati in overtime. Um You know, they beat the Vikings, which they absolutely had to do to get that tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. Atlanta probably didn't deserve to have a six and seven record and even be in the conversation for the playoffs, but they were there. 
and you had to take care of business against them. They have the tiebreaker against Philadelphia. So the Niners are sitting in a really good spot. Like I said, they're six and two in their last eight, super important. And now just looking around the NFC, it's like, who do you really fear? Right? Like if you're this Niners team and you've been where you've been and you have as much high-end talent as you have in Nick Bosa, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, potentially Elijah Mitchell, um, potentially Brandon Ayuk, like Fred Warner, like you have elite guys, as many Mm -hmm. elite guys as any other roster in the league. And man, if you start clicking in the playoffs, like you might be dangerous. So that was my takeaway from today. What was yours? It was, it was exactly that they, the top, you talk about peaking at the right time, right? Like if you start two and four, it doesn't matter if you finish eight and three, you know, it's about playing your best football at the right time. And what the 49ers did today was they played their best football with some nitpicks. Uh, Ambry Thomas got, got beat over the top a couple times. And we can talk about that. We can dive into that. And their special teams continues to be abysmal. It's really, yes. really bad. Their coverage units. Yes. And you already mentioned the Jamichael Hasty fumble, but offensively and defensively, overall, they there was never a point against Atlanta. And we talked about this on the podcast. They needed to beat Atlanta by a lot. They needed to go in and leave no doubt that they were the better team on Sunday. And that's what they did. There was never a point in that game, even when it was 3-3 at the end of the first quarter, it was never like, oh man, this game's not in control. Like they controlled it the entire time. Even when the Falcons would drive, like their fourth down plays, it wasn't like, man, Matt Ryan just missed a throw or man, there was a bad drop. They were just, they shut the faucet off when the Falcons got in the red zone. And that's, that's, I think the sign of a, of a, of a good team. I mean, you look around the league, it's not good teams. Don't always beat the bad teams. We just got done watching a Sunday night football game where the saints beat the Buccaneers nine to nothing. Right. Those games happen. And the fact that they're not happening, they happened earlier for the 49ers for sure. But the fact that they are getting into December, ratcheting this up, playing their best football and doing so without overlooking the Falcons, because they have a game on Thursday night against a tough team in Tennessee. And that was my biggest concern was, okay, are they going to get out there today? Let the Falcons be up, you know, seven midway through the third quarter and all of a sudden they they can't get a grasp on the game. They left no doubt. And nope. I don't know if we learned anything about anybody individually, but as a team, they are trending the right direction heading into late December. And that's what you want to be doing. Absolutely. They improved to 7-0 about- when Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw an interception. So let's talk about Jimmy today. Okay. Because you said it, there were a lot of wide open throws, which you have to hit those. Two of his, what was he, 18 of 23? Yes. Numbers. So he's 18 of 23. Two of those incompletions were drops by Juwan Jennings over the middle. And he did make a couple of really nice throws on slants. One to Brandon Ayuk that went for like 36 yards. It almost looked like he was setting up to throw one to the flat. Like that's how his feet were set up. And then he kind of threw back across his body and threw a strike to Ayuk. And then he had another one to Debo Samuel where they were kind of bracketing him and he fitted in over the defender in front of Samuel and in front of the defender behind him and gave him room to run. Garoppolo is just, I mean, I know we're going to nitpick with him and people are going to nitpick with him because that's just kind of the nature of, of, of where he's at and, and kind of what he's, he's earned as the 49ers quarterback. But I don't have, I don't have any complaints about Sunday. I don't, there wasn't even a like, oh man, he missed that throw really bad. Or, oh man, that, that one was almost intercepted. He was just really good. And he carved up a bad defense. He averaged over 10 yards in attempt. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a fluky, like, oh, there's a dump off here. And like, he was throwing strikes to open guys in the middle of the field. Like you have to do that. And he doesn't always do that. Yeah. And you know, he was very sharp. He got the ball Mm -hmm. to the right places. He was accurate. He hit guys in stride. But this is also a bad Falcons defense. And there wasn't much happening from a pass rush perspective to really make Garoppolo uncomfortable at any point. No. Right. So, like, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo was was very good. And it continues a really nice stretch for him. Um, What I thought 
was interesting post game was you know Kyle Uzcheck was asked about Garoppolo and um, really the theme from you know the post game sessions when guys were were answering questions about Garoppolo is they were all saying like Jimmy's kind of been the leader all along like there was all the Trey Lance discussion and and Jimmy's withstood it and still been the leader of the team. And George Kittle said something interesting, which I didn't know that Jimmy Garoppolo sort of leads like a breakdown of the team in the locker room before they head out. Hmm. Um, So Jimmy Garoppolo is essentially giving like little mini pregame speeches to the entire team and getting everybody fired up. And like, that was something new. Kyle Juszczyk said something funny, which I have my own thoughts about and sort of half kidding when, when I mentioned this, Kyle Juszczyk said, Jimmy Garoppolo had an aura about him at breakfast that he noticed. He's like Jimmy Garoppolo. I think I Jimmy's got Chappelle it today. Quote. It's like why? Uh, I mean, you could probably put two and two. At least in my head, I was putting two and two together. Like, why do people usually wake up with this with an aura, a special glow about him? I was like, ah, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo is a good-looking single oh. guy, right? <laughs> there could be something going on there behind the scenes that makes Jimmy Garoppolo feel uh, pretty good about himself first thing in the morning at breakfast but um but serious but like the, that was it was noticeable <laughs> to me the entire the entire thing was noticeable to me because you know Fred Warner said Jimmy's been the leader all along which is really the quote that st- stood out to me because I've been someone who's been here being like all right is Jimmy Garoppolo really good enough to uh to make it worthwhile to sit Trey Lance for his entire rookie season and then cost him basically a year of development. And I still will push back on the idea that Trey Lance couldn't have the 49ers at eight and six, if he was quarterback. Um, But the fact that the 49ers can win games with Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact that they're seven and oh, when Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't turn the ball over indicates that Kyle Shanahan knows what he's talking about when he says we can Mm -hmm. win with Jimmy. Right. And so like Garoppolo is playing well enough and has established himself in the locker room with everything he does as a leader and just his knowledge of the offense and uh, team captain and all of that stuff that like he's earned his spot. And I think it's really commendable what Garoppolo's put together this season after that bad start, after dealing mm-hmm. with everybody, everybody, but me or us included talking about the 49ers are wasting their time spinning their wheels with Jimmy Garoppolo when everybody right. in the world knows they're eventually going to replace him with Trey Lance. So the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo in these circumstances is playing at a high level um, is, is worth commending in my opinion. Like he's handled this really well. And it seems like, you know, again, I don't want to keep hammering the Jimmy Garoppolo off season conversation because I don't think the 49ers are going to, continue with Garoppolo no matter what happens unless you know they win a Super Bowl which we'll sure. see that's a good problem to have the 49ers playoff push is officially on they knocked out the Falcons in week 15 and now they go on they have one home game left they're in the thick of the playoff hunt not just trying to sneak in but now we're looking at a 49ers team that might actually make some noise in the playoffs and you are going to want to be in the building how do you do that you use tick pick That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, and it's the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. So the dope thing about TickPick is they got rid of all the fees and extra service charges and all these weird things that you know wind up making you pay all this extra money, then you're actually paying for the ticket. It allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the purchase price. It says here in the copy to talk about an upcoming excitement around a 49ers game and their week 17 game at home against the Houston Texans could be the playoff clincher for them. They could clinch a playoff spot at home after all the tumult of this season. Finally, clinching that playoff spot is going to be pretty unbelievable. I was in the building for their week 15 game against the Falcons. That place was rocking. And it's going to be even better atmosphere in week 17. So make sure you are in the building and get in the building. Get into Levi Stadium with TickPick. Visit TickPick.com slash candlestick today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That is TickPick.com slash candlestick. And we will see you at the game. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But I, I do think what Garoppolo is doing is just super positive for him and the rest of his career, right? Because I think Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo is sort of like he probably is a bridge quarterback, but he's mm-hmm. probably the best, one of the best bridge quarterbacks that will become available that we've seen in a little he's, while. He is right? a bridge quarterback that a team like the Steelers or Saints is going to take a chance on because Denver, they can. Yeah. Right. Teams that think, Hey, do, doing what the Niners are doing teams that say, Hey, we have a roster that can compete, but maybe we don't have a quarterback that can Jimmy Garoppolo can get your roster there. And to your point, he's showing why. Yeah. He was and really there, good again on Sunday. And the other element of it, which is sort of the unknown is how good is Jimmy Garoppolo without Kyle Shanahan? Right. Like, we don't know. Like, if you give Jimmy Garoppolo Jeep Christ as his offensive coordinator and Jim Thompson as his head coach, like, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be good? We'll never know. Uh, I, I tend, yeah, I tend to think he but, might not. But, be. I, yeah. So, okay. but, but the, the broader point, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing well. The 49ers are playing well with Jimmy playing like this. Right. And they can be dangerous in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't, somebody look, asked me, I don't look around the NFC and be like, oh, that's a team the 49ers absolutely can't beat. Somebody asked me today, my buddy Evan Giddings, who works over at 95.7 with me, he said, how do you feel about the 49ers now? And I said, they could either lose in the first round or win the Super Bowl. Like, I'm, I'm all doors open right now, which is different from where I was a month ago and even two weeks ago. And if they can avoid the face plant game like they had against Seattle or Baltimore, uh, not Baltimore, uh, Indianapolis or Arizona, Arizona game. Boy, yeah. yeah, if they can avoid those kind of face plant games, like they're that <laughs> they're they're hard to beat when they're not just giving the ball away. So that that was that was something again, like I said, you can't take too much away from beating the Falcons because Atlanta was not as good as their six and seven record. And the Niners just kind of beat the brakes off them. But again, that's like, okay, that's just a hurdle that they needed to clear. And they won today in part because Jimmy Garoppolo was really good when they needed him to be. And he didn't make any bad throws and he didn't throw an interception. Didn't take a bad sack. The run, the run pass split was basically even throughout um, in terms of overall yardage, the Niners were out gaining the Falcons like two to one, basically the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, the Niners were good on third down. Uh, I think there were six of 11 on third down, mm-hmm. which anytime you're over 40 percent, obviously that's good. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it was just a clean game. And. You know, like being able to get 93 yards from George Kittle and then have Debo Samuel chip in with 60 and then Brandon Ayuk. And it felt like Brandon Ayuk had more than one catch, but I guess it was just one. Um, Can we talk but, about George Kittle real quick while yeah, we're here? Let's do it. Can my man get out of bounds once? <laughs> he or go down like without. I understand it's football and I understand the tenacity that George Kittle plays with. And I understand that that takes a toll on defenses when you get a a helmet to the chest or a shoulder to the chest trying to take a guy down. But George Kittle 
and it was re- he does this all the time, but it was really apparent on Sunday. He takes so many unnecessary hits. Right. And I, I get I, there. I'm sure somebody's listening and yelling at their their phone or their radio right now talking about how that's just football and that's his brand of football. And I, I understand. But the 49ers need him. Their offensive ceiling drops precipitously when he's not on the field. Right. And there were multiple instances on Sunday where he caught a ball surrounded by four Falcons defenders, wasn't going to go anywhere. Just go, go out of bounds or go down. Right. Like the extra half, half yard you get by running into the guy and then letting six other defenders pile on top of him, not worth it, in my opinion. Risk reward, man. Yeah. Nick, Nick Wagner and I, we sit next to each other in the press box and we were talking about it as it was happening. I mean, there, there are multiple plays where it's like he catches a ball in an open zone and then five defenders converge on him and like two guys will be tackling him and he'll still be pushing forward. And then there was one play where a defensive lineman came in and just decked him. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned it like one of the things that made Frank Gore so good for so long was the fact that he was really good at knowing when to just go down. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Frank Gore was a physical runner. Sure. But he always had a really good sense of when to just go down and not take more punishment than he necessarily needs to. And there are a few times a game when George Kittle takes a hit and then he's like kind of limping around a little bit and looks like he's in a lot of pain. And it's like, you know, we know George Kittle has dealt with tons and tons of injuries. Like you go back mm-hmm. to his rookie season and look at all of the things he showed up, all the all the injuries he had showing up on the injury report, like during the week or whatever. It was like every part of his body, you know, yeah. and he didn't he didn't miss much time his rookie season. But that sort of led into what's happened throughout his career and that George Kittle seems like he's perpetually dealing with something and he'll deal with mm-hmm. his shoulder injury throughout his entire career until, you know, he says he'll probably not get it fixed until uh, after he retires with surgery. But like he's playing needing sh- shoulder surgery at some point. It's crazy. He needs to pick his spots. I completely agree with you. Like, it's one thing to, like, have a guy in the open field and just be like, I'm running through your face, and that's just going to be something that happens. It's another thing to be like, there are three guys pulling me down. There's a defensive lineman sprinting from 10 yards away who's going to deck me, and I just don't need to take this hit, so I I just need to get down. Um, I, I completely agree with you in that. You know, we'll see. But on the other hand, too, and this was another talking point after the game, like just the overall physicality the 49ers play with is part of their personality as a football team. Right. Like Debo Samuel <laughs> running through AJ Terrell to the point where his mouthpiece goes flying like that 10 was yards. wild. That's a thing that like energizes everybody, right? Like everybody right. in the huddle and on the sideline, like they all there's there's an element of all those guys feeding off that type of stuff. But you do have to balance risk reward, right? Mm -hmm. You need to be like, all right, open field. I have a full head of steam. I need to get this yardage. Go ahead and get it. Right. But when you're being tackled by three dudes and you're clearly not breaking through, like just, just chill, like hit the ground, avoid the extra hit and, you know, maybe save yourself a little bit of punishment, but it's easy, easy for us to say. Right. Totally. Uh, I would go down immediately, regardless of what was going on. So that's <laughs> if I got that's, first that's down. The, I'd hit the deck. <laughs> that's the standpoint I'm coming from. Um, <laughs> the other, speaking of that, I think we have worst tackle attempt of the season on the Debo Samuel touchdown run. It might have been AJ Terrell. Um, Samuel gets the corner, and he had the corner of the end zone, and whichever Defal- Falcons defensive back it was, just kind of walked toward Debo just standing straight up and Debo just went shoulder into his chest and drove him into the end zone. It was very clearly the like, this is going to show up on tape. So I have to do something about it, but I have zero interest in tackling this guy. I thought that was fun. Debo Samuel has seven rushing touchdowns. It's unbelievable. Did you see the photo I posted on Twitter? I was was on Twitter all day. There was a, wow. Uh, There was a, uh, there was a photo from, from a, from, uh, Stan Stenzo, I think is his name. He's a he's a USA Today photographer. And it was when Debo was flexing with Brandon Ayuk after his touchdown. And they were like face mask to face mask. And it's a side shot. And 
you it, you can just see like how wide Debo is. Like he is as wide like chest to back as he is like shoulder to shoulder. Like, he's just a brick. He's just like an Amazon box of a human. <laughs> and it's 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 not a surprise that he sheds tackles as easily as he does when you when you really grasp like his body type as a whole and then how good of an athlete he is. And then, you know, he's getting to the edge and there's a DB waiting out there for him. It's like, yeah, of course that defensive back's not tackling him. He has six rushing touchdowns in his last five games. He was a receiver. Yeah. They were using him to salt the game away. Which like they were just lining him up as a running back and also, handing him the ball. Also questionable. Very questionable. Like you, Jeff let Wilson, Michael Hasty do it. Yeah, let Jamichael Hasty do it. Let Jeff Wilson do it. Like let's save Debo Samuel from punishment because you have a game on Thursday. Right. Right. Wild, <laughs> um wild stuff. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan is he's willing to use his guys. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean a great group of guys. Yeah. Debo Samuel, like, there's just something completely different about just him as a football player with the ball in his hands that I don't even know really how to articulate. But he's just, like, he seems like the kid who played youth football or even high school football that just zero people could tackle. Yeah. And he's just kind of been that guy his whole life. And he still is in the NFL. And he still is in the NFL, (laughs) but now he's this receiver who's, like, has you know, a normal, like full game as a receiver, who's also just elite with the ball in his hands. Right. And it's, it's really, I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing what he can do because it's one of those things where it's like, you don't even necessarily have to scheme it up. Like if you see Debo Samuel in the backfield, you know, there's a very good chance of like an outside pitch or, you know, an outside handoff, whatever coming. And it's like, he still has enough speed to get to the edge and get to where he wants to go. You still don't want to see him in space. And like, you can know it's coming and he's still going to run through you. And it's just one of those things where it's like, man, this guy really does feel like he has star power that can carry an offense in a way that's super unique. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of other elite receivers, it's like the receivers half the equation. Right. You have a quarterback needing to throw him the ball, which involves the offensive line and protection and, you know, mm-hmm. coverage and all that stuff. With Debo, you can just give him the ball. And more times than not, it's a super effective play. Right. Which makes things a hell of a lot easier for an offense and makes things, you know, when you pair that with Kyle Shanahan and what he can do schematically, like, man, that can be really tough. And then when you have other options like Brandon Ayuk, like George Kittle, it's like, man, he's not, he's a focal point of the offense, but you have other things. If you're a defense, you have other things you have to account for other than Debo Samuel. And that's why I think the 49ers, particularly on offense, could be pretty scary. I have two things on this. One, the action they ran today with Jeff Wilson lined up as the H back and off to the left of the formation. Debo's behind Garoppolo, who is in the pistol. And Wilson motions across Garoppolo takes the snap and Samuel was getting to the ball, like right as Wilson was. And it was blocked. Like it was going to be like a outside run and the C just parted in the middle and Garoppolo hands it to Samuel. And it's like, what a freaking nightmare to game plan for. Like, what do you do if you're a defense? Because that same play could have easily just gone to Jeff Wilson. Where if you're like, hey, when they do this, just stack up the middle and then they hand it off and there's nobody on the outside. Like, that's part of the reason when you talk about the Niners in the playoffs, it's like there's so many different things they can do that if you're a team, if you're Tampa Bay or Dallas or 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 I guess not Arizona or L.A., but if you're Tampa Bay or Dallas or Green Bay, who's seen the Niners once, but who doesn't see the Niners a lot. And they're throwing, and if the Niners are healthy and you have Elijah Mitchell and it's Jeff Wilson, it's just like, I would not want to deal with that. I'm like, hey, first time we're seeing this this year, let's try something. Not something I would want to deal with. The other thing is. Can I, can I make one quick point off that? Please. Completely unrelated. 
that's why Trey Lance's start against Arizona was so frustrating to me because of all these unique things you can do in the running game with the running quarterback. And you're just mm-hmm. lining up and running quarterback power 10 times. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> it looked like the product of something that hadn't gotten practiced a lot. Yeah, that's was... so the other the other thing is with Debo, I was I don't want to say frustrated because that it didn't occupy that much of my brain space. But all week there was this, oh, Debo Samuel and Cordero Patterson. No, man. Cordero Patterson got a lot of shots to be a receiver and bat and is bad at it. Like he can't do receiver things. So the Falcons moved him to running back. And now he's a running back who can split out as, as a receiver sometimes, like Christian McCaffrey. Like he is a running back. You can split him out in the slot or out wide and he can do some stuff. Debo Samuel is a bona fide thousand yard receiver. Debo Samuel is going to finish this year with like 1300 receiving yards. And he's also going to have seven plus rushing touchdowns and 350 or 400 rushing yards. Like what Debo Samuel is doing is so unbelievably unique that you can't even tie in Cordero Patterson or Christian McCaffrey. Like he is a, he is a wide receiver who, if he was never allowed to carry the football again, would be a pro bowl, all pro caliber wide receiver. But he has this other element to his game where he can also be like an all pro caliber running back. And it is a singularly unique skill set in the NFL. Cordero Patterson had 11 carries for 18 yards. That's a smoking hot 1.6 yards per carry average. And he was targeted in the passing game twice. He caught both of his targets for a total of five yards. So, yeah. A machine. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think, uh, aside from just the way they're used, I don't think there's a comparison between Cordero Cordero Patterson and, and Debo Samuel. There's not. Yeah. Yeah, Debo's just... I mean, I hate to be like a social media meme, but he's just, it's just different. It is. He's built different. <laughs> I'm really trying not to do the social media meme thing. But like, <laughs> it's, it's just a different experience watching him play football and all the way you, you, you can utilize him. I thought it was funny. They tried to get him to throw a touchdown pass today. It's like, okay, now we got to, like, Kyle Shanahan is trying to get us to write, oh, Debo Samuel can play receiver and running back and quarterback. It's like, okay, let's chill, Kyle. <laughs> I asked if he could play right tackle. As long as he's doing everything else. Can he pass block a little? Can can we talk about, I didn't, so I didn't see the plays, but it was brought up post game. Um, apparently Trent Williams was just flattening people today. I haven't gone back and watched Kyle Juszczyk's touchdown run, but apparently what Trent Williams did on that run was very Trent Williams-like and just in terms mm-hmm. of just like destroying people. So I'll have to go back when I rewatch the copy tomorrow. But um, the other thing too, like the Niners offensive line, particularly in the running game, it's good. It's just it's flat really out good. good. Yeah. They just, and that's why the Debo Samuel stuff works, right? Because, okay, you know it's going to um, stretch one way or the other, but you can't do anything about it. Right. Particularly if George Kittle's running that way and Kyle Juszczyk's going that way. (laughs) And also if you're the Falcons and just have bad players. Yeah, they just don't. They're they're bad. They have Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones and like... AJ Terrell's good. Is he? He's good. Okay. Yes. Fair. They're ba- dude. They're as bad as advertised. If it wasn't for Ambry Thomas, who didn't have a great day, let's talk about Ambry. Let's do it. I think you and let's, I have different start feelings there. on this. No, you, you. So, okay. My original take, and then I'll, I'll, I'll tee this up for you. My original take was that Ambry Thomas just had a really rough day. But you think otherwise, and I think that you're going to change my mind here. So the floor is yours. Well, it's I, I do think he had a tough day when you're oh, okay, in good. coverage. Right. Moving on. <laughs> when you're in coverage and you give up some big plays, like obviously as a cornerback, like that's not what you want. Um, but he he was in good position. 
right? Like he was getting beat at the catch point, but he was in good position and it never really felt like, oh shit, Ambry Thomas is in terrible coverage. Like when Josh Norman gets roasted, he like commits a holding penalty and is five yards behind the guy, (laughs) right? Like Ambry Thomas was right there. He's just, he, the, like Russell Gage is just catching the ball and beating him on these 50 50 balls, which if it takes a deep 50 50 ball to, for your defense to get beat, like you tip your cap because they're not doing anything else automatically to beat you. Right. So the fact that it was like, all right, well, we don't really have anything else going. Let's just throw a 50 50 ball to Russell Gage. Ambry Thomas was there. He just didn't finish the plays, sure. which is better than Ambry Thomas being out of position. Um, and just getting roasted game after game because it never felt like, oh, they got to take Ambry Thomas out. He's clearly that's that's true. You know, it was never like Diamondor Lenore, like being completely out of position in the end zone and having to go back and commit pass interference just to make sure he, it's not an easy touchdown. Right. Like or that Russell Ambry Gage, Thomas a couple of times last week. Right. Right. And like that Russell Gage touchdown catch was a hell of a catch. Sure. Yeah like good offense beats good defense. So like it was just it the fact that it takes a hell of a catch to beat Ambry Thomas. I'm not going to beat Ambry Thomas up about that. Sure. It's the other stuff. I mean, you obviously want him to make those plays. But it's he was in the right position, he had good coverage, and sometimes that stuff just happens. That's a hell of a lot better than just like getting roasted or getting you know flagged for continuous penalties and and all that stuff. Are you taking a picture right now? Yeah, I'll for send what, you the photos. My cat's purpose? being a creep. Oh, it's because cat. my cat's being a creep, and it's funny. I thought you were gonna like take a picture and tweet out a screen grab of me defending Ambry Thomas. No. Okay. <laughs> no, because you're right. I look That's great fine. right now. By the, the way, play- so I, I wouldn't really. I you feel do. Like no, your hair is fantastic. Yeah, that shirt you. makes you look super buff. So <laughs> it's good. Um. No comment on my collared shirt, but that's fine. Oh, it looks it looks nice. Thanks, man. You're overdressed uh, for podcast reporting. I'm way overdressed. Recording. What you can't see is that my pants are not all the way on. So, <laughs> so that's that's weird. Moving on. So, the play that Thomas nearly had the interception, and then Kyle Pitts almost caught it. That was nuts. Was one of the most unbelievable football plays I've ever seen. That was crazy. If he had caught that, I might have left. <laughs> if that had been a catch, <laughs> Pitts is going to be good. They just they need other guys. Yeah, I think it's really are- hard, and we've we've probably seen this with the Niners too. I think it's really hard if you have a great tight end, but he's your only good skill position guy. Yeah, it's like a tight end's where all the action is. A tight end's on the line of scrimmage. He's in the middle of the field. There are always lots of guys around a tight end. When, and when you're splitting your tight end out wide, you're telling the defense, like, yeah, we're throwing it. Yeah. At least in this, in this Falcon. Or he's offense. just a receiver. Right. Yeah. Which is fine, but yeah, I, I, the, the defensive line is really good to get Arden key is just having like a really, really nice year. And it's, it shouldn't be like surprising at this point. He has five sacks now. He got one nullified today because of a of a roughing the passer. Or I guess it wasn't a sack. But or no, it was. Yeah, it was a sack. It was a third down play. That's right. They, yeah. They so, had so they yeah. were bad on the Niners defense just overall was kind of bad on third down in the first half. That was why that was kind of why the game was close. Yeah. So Key had the had the one sack called back because of a of a passer or a, a roughing the passer, but their defensive line was just, again, we thought that they would kind of eat the Falcons offensive line for breakfast and they did. Yeah. So just getting back to this, I I do want to point out like the Niners had 12 men on the field for a third and short Arden key jumped off sides uh, on a third down. Um, There was that uh, roughing the passer, which was kind of a tough call. Like, yeah. Obviously, you're not allowed to land with all your weight on the quarterback, but I don't know what else Arden Key could have done. I get that's the rule, whatever. I'm not going to be up in arms about it. I know a lot of people were upset because it led to the touchdown. Um, and then Mike Davis had 
a run where like Josh Norman missed a tackle and Jaquasi Tart missed a tackle. And that was why the game was close in the first half because the 49ers mm-hmm. defense was just making too many mistakes on third down. So that's something they had to clean up for sure. But to your point, like Nick Bose is really good. Good player. <laughs> um, the, the Arden key thing is really funny to me because I sit next to Josh Dubow in the press box. Also, um, Josh is big Raiders guy. Josh works with the AP, my former boss. Um, and he tweets about the Raiders a lot because he used to he used to cover the Raiders when he was in Oakland. He still covers them. He'll go to Vegas every once in a while. But he was saying during the game that in his mentions, Raiders fans and 49ers fans were arguing about who's having a better season, Solomon Thomas or Arden Key. <laughs> <laughs> And I, my first thought was like, man, I can't think of anything I want to do less than argue who's better, Arden Key or Solomon Thomas. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I just. Oh, that's incredible. I just cannot bring myself to burn energy or brain power trying to figure out who's better between Solomon Thomas and Arden Key. <laughs> hey, can I go pick a fight with some Bills fans on whether Josh Norman or Matt Breed is having a better year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So that was funny, but no, I mean, the, the, the more pertinent thing with Arden key is that like him being kind of good, or at least like they're, mo- they're using him a lot inside. Like he's an mm-hmm. interior pass rusher now on third downs and he's pretty damn effective against guards. Mm-hmm. And given that D Ford's gone for the season now and Samson Abukam who had a sack today, but Samson Abukam is really hasn't done much like having somebody other than Eric Armstead be the guy who's helping out Nick Bosa get to the quarterback is a really positive development for the 49ers because they're not going to beat anybody in the playoffs if it's just Nick Bosa exactly so getting key he's had sacks in what three four straight games now to go back and look it might be it might be it might be like five out of six or something he had three. But, he had three straight against Arizona, the Rams, and Jacksonville. None against Minnesota. Half sacks in Seattle and Cincinnati. Jeez. And what do you have today? Oh, just one, know. I think. Just one. Yeah, and one taken away. It seemed like he had more than just one. Well, that's because they, they had, yeah, had Matt two Ryan quarterback was under hits. the entire game. A tackle for loss. Yeah. It was. It He's, was definitely a nice game for Arden Key. But again, this this goes back to, you know, it's just more consistency. The defensive line continues to be really good, and they they crushed a bad offensive line today. Yes, they did. That's... And there was a moment there. I think it was the third quarter, if memory serves, where Nick Bosa um, had a big hit with Cordero Patterson in the backfield, mm. and then left the game momentarily. He took himself out. Um, and got checked for a head injury and then ended up coming back into the game. Um, so that's just worth noting. And and he spoke to the media afterwards, which obviously is not something you do if you're feeling at all like you have symptoms. But right. it is worth noting because, you know, it happened a couple weeks ago with Elijah Mitchell and even a week before that with Marcel Harris. Mm-hmm. Those guys left the game to get checked for a head injury, went back in after getting cleared by the independent neurologist and then having symptoms the next day and not being able to play the next week. Right. So Nick Bosa's status early in the week will be worth keeping an eye on, obviously, because the Niners play Thursday night um, in Tennessee. Yep. But Nick Bosa's good. Good player. Do we want to go through the game notes the thing. and reel off the Nick Bosa bullet points? Yeah, run through the thing. Uh, let me pull it up. Nick Bosa's registered a sack in six consecutive games, the longest streak by a member of the 49ers since Alden Smith had seven straight in 2012. Pause. No, keep going. There might be one where I <laughs> I have a question for you, but you might address it. Bosa's 15 sacks on the season are the most by a member of the 49ers since Alden Smith had 19 and a half in 2012 and tied for fifth most okay, by pause. a member of the 49ers in a single season since, since sacks became an official stat in 1982. Okay, pause. Yes. Do you think he gets to the 19 and a half? So he needs four and a half with three games, three games left? left. It's Titans on Thursday. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he comes close. 
I'm still in. So from when I was started with Titans Wire, um, that's if you're unfamiliar, that's where I started with the USA Today Sports Media Group as the Titans Wire managing editor. I'm still in a well, you started big Titans. Niners Wire and then you took on the managing editor role. Right. I was a contributor with Niners Wire. I did right. such a great job that when they launched Titans Wire, they were like, we need to keep this guy around. So let's yeah, just give him this job. And then, you know, the rest is history. Anyways, so I'm still in a Titans group chat and they're already freaking out about Nick Bosa against their offensive line. Huh. So that's how that's going. Maybe yeah. he gets a couple against Tennessee and four then a and couple a more. Three, against. Yeah. Four and a half in three games is tough. I, you know, Tennessee, I, I, Houston and LA don't have like awesome offensive fronts. Put it this way. If he gets to 19 and a half or 20, I'm going to devote a segment to the podcast, making a case for him winning defensive player of the year. Yeah. That we could just do a whole podcast on it. I'm in. And the basis of it would basically be like the Niners came into this week six overall, and you're oh, just going to do it right now. Okay. Still insane. I feel like the Niners defense would be 25th if they didn't have Nick Bosa. I completely agree. <laughs> right. He's so far and away their best player on that side of the ball. Yeah. Fred Warner's, he's not terrible. He's not having an all pro season. No. Their cornerback situation is not good. They don't have any other pass rushers, maybe with the exception of Arden Key, who's fine. Which but like, is a hilarious sentence. <laughs> it's, it, it is funny. Um, but yeah, Nick Bosa has such an enormous impact on the team because in any given pass play, he can either get a sack or make the quarterback uncomfortable and have to rush. And that's just an immensely valuable thing to have on defense. Yep. Um. So I'd have to go back and look at the other candidates and stuff because I know there there are other guys. There's T.J. Watt. There's Miles Garrett. Um, Aaron Donald. Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons. Aaron Donald's always in the mix. Um, but Bosa. Bosa's having an all-pro type season, I would say. Yeah, yeah, and it's not the the notion of him getting four and a half sacks in three games isn't crazy. <laughs> It isn't crazy. I'm just taking the under because there is a possibility that, like, you know, by no, the time I, people listen to this sure. on Monday, it's like, yeah, Bose is in the concussion protocol and he's out Thursday. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's possible. You want to do pick six? Let's do it. Tyler, drop it. Do the thing. All right, pick six. I pick three players. Chris picks three players that we think are going to have a good game for the 49ers or who need to have a good game for the 49ers. First pick, my first pick this week was tight end George Kittle. Six targets, six catches, 93 yards. And just kind of a, just a good, good George Kittle game. He's, you know, no, didn't no light it up. Yeah, tough scene. But what happened? I mean, it was a good pick. He's fine. He had a good game. I mean, six catches, six, like there was nary a completion when targeting George Kittle. Six catches for 93 yards is like a career day for 96% of the tight ends in the NFL. Oh, there was another, another speaking of uh, post-game notes, I can pull up. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't unpause your Nick Bosa post-game notes. No, it's fine. Um, George Kittle's 4,429 career receptions through his first five NFL seasons are the third most by a tight end through their first five seasons in NFL history. There's no way that. Say that stat again. Basically, George Kittle's yardage. He has his the yards. third most yards through you his said first 4, five seasons receptions. of any tight end in league history. Okay, that He's makes good. more sense. He's a good player. Also, uh, on that on the oh hey on the George Kittle front, um, the Kyle Niners just said hi to his cat for the listeners. He, well, he he scared me. Okay, so <laughs> I can't wait till we put this on video and my cats decide to make an appearance. So the the Forty ers are really close now to having two one thousand yard receivers in the same season, which I'm guessing hasn't happened since like Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens. And even then. Yeah. I don't think Vernon Davis ever, ever had a thousand yards. 
That is correct. Yeah, that's now I'm good... gonna. This is. I'm going to look this up, and we will figure this out by the next podcast. Okay. Um my my first pick, the second overall pick, Nick Bosa. Felt like he was just a pain in the ass for the Falcons the entire game. Had a sack, had a strip sack, forced fumble. That play led to 49ers making it a two-score game early in the second half. And it was one of the bigger plays in the game. And and Nick and I were talking about it before the game. Like for Bosa to really enter the the discussion for defensive player of the year prominently there was going to need to be some like strip sacks like you know force fumbles a pick six something like a splash play splash highlight play they'd be like yeah that was that was a crazy nick bosa play this was a good one i'm not but he just he's forced fumbles but you need those type of game-changing plays um to be in that conversation and and he got one or at least he got a strip sack yeah, um, that led to a pretty easy touchdown that really at that point, it felt like the game was over. The, ga- the game felt over after Debo Samuels touchdown mm-hmm. um, in the second quarter when I was like, all right, now they're finally getting their feet underneath them. But um, the game was felt over over when uh, Bosa got that strip sack and then the Niners went down and scored immediately. Was that, I think that was the Juwan. Jenny. That was the one that made it 31. Yeah, that was the Jeff Wilson Jr. Touchdown. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. That felt like the nail in the coffin for sure, which is like early in the third quarter, which is good. But it was just that's just a testament to how bad the Falcons were. It was almost shocking. What was shocking was that the Falcons had won six games, right? That was like you you expected there to be some kind of like redeeming quality where you're like, oh, I can see it. But I only that like they're. Their kickoff returns were good in large part because the Niners return coverage is just bad. And Matt Ryan would make good throws periodically. But other than that, and like Kyle Pitts is good. But other than that, like the Falcons don't have any redeeming qualities right now as a team. There's not one thing you could look at the Falcons and be like, oh, they're really good at that. Yeah, it was like, oh, man, the Niners need to. It's Cordero Patterson. Hey, rally to the football when he has it, and their offense is shut down. Like you said, if Ambry Thomas, if Ambry Thomas makes two plays, the Falcons score six points. Right. D'Amico Ryan's is good, I think. I do too. They've done a really, really nice job. Like it hasn't felt like anybody's like run circles around them schematically all year. Like there have been mistakes, sure, but I think their issues are more personnel based than like I'm. Totally. schematic problems they they don't look un, like unprepared they look like they have answers for a lot of different things um i think and, the one time that wasn't the case was the end of that green bay game they yeah looked but, a little out of sorts on that yeah last that's fair but um, other than that you're you're right he's been excellent yeah and kyle shanahan said something to that effect today um anyway pick six your next pick my next pick was Eric Armstead, who if you told me Eric Armstead didn't play today, I would believe you. He had a couple nice run stops. Yeah, he's just just a was, very generic Eric Armstead game. He's fine. Yeah, he had he I mean any I was expecting I was expecting have, Go ahead. I was expecting the kind of game where it's like, "Oh hey, Eric Armstead had a pass batted down and a sack and was just kind of, you know, very pre- like that game in Arizona." It felt like he was in the backfield every third play. It was like, geez, they cannot block this guy. That just didn't happen on Sunday, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, he was in, he was definitely involved in the fact, like, in the game when they were stopping him, you know, inside the one and inside the ten. Like, I know he had one, one or two nice tackles on runs near the goal line, so it wasn't a terrible game. But yeah, it wasn't like a standout game. Um, yeah, he wasn't bad. I was just, yeah. I was expecting a bigger game, I think, in the, in the bass rush for sure. I need to pull Fourth up overall the, pick. Yeah. And I'm pulling up the stats just so I can make this as dramatic as possible when talking about, oh, please do Tyler. Can we maybe get some like dramatic music here? <laughs> just Cause it was a flawless. It, I, I mean, in all seriousness, a flawless performance from this player. Four. Ma- zero. 
and one field goal made for our guy, Robbie Gold. Bounce back. He did it in a huge, <laughs> in a huge way. Um, no, I, I picked Robbie Gold because it was basically like, hey, man, stop missing kicks. <laughs> you Urban Meyer him. Yeah, I didn't call him a dipshit. And it worked. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> no. I didn't kick him or call him a dipshit. But yeah, I, no, it was point. it was, you know, a, this was a, verbal, a cheap a way in the pants. This was a this was a cheap way to get a good performance because you knew the 49ers were going to score a ton of points and he was going to get a bunch <laughs> of extra points and you were going to be able to go, oh, he had a flawless performance. No, it was just to make the point. I'm that, pitching. Like, I'm picking Robbie Mitch Wisnowski next week. Do it. Like, did you see him holding holding field goals? Oh, do it. Best. But just just if you do that, be aware. You got to keep an eye on how he you does on back it up, buddy. I stay with my eyes on on Mitch Wisnowski. Um, no, Robbie Gold had a good game because yeah, he was fine. He wasn't. He, he didn't miss they, anything, which is all. Can that I really say matters. he was the best part of their special teams? Oof. He was their best special teams performer by a wide margin. Oof. Yeah. Number five pick. My final pick was Fred Warner, who had his best game in a long time. I thought today. They needed him to be really good with Noah Aziz Alshire on the field and just in general, kind of what the Falcons offense is with Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson. And there were a lot of times, especially early in the game, where Fred Warner was just around the football and not 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 letting plays leak out for big games. So I thought I thought Warner was good. I thought he was too. Um my main takeaway from the Niners linebacking core. Can our guy Demetrius Flanagan Fowles get a different jersey number? It's bad, dude. 45 is bad. It's just, a it's, ba- it's really there's no, bad. there's some numbers where it's like cool. If, if that's, if you know, if you're, if that's your position. Sure. Or like cool in a certain position. 45 is not a good NFL number for any position. Totally agree. So let's get totally him agree. something in the fifties. Even Marcel Harris at 36 is like converted safety. looks kind of cool. Like, yeah, that makes sense. 45 is just like the no man's land of numbers like let's totally. let's get him let's get him an actual you know like a real number 42 if they could wear 42 42 would be fine that would be acceptable obviously you can't yeah 45 is just not no no 43 fine 41 fine 47 is better than 45 47 is good i mean Tabor pepper's not giving up 46 i don't think but like no no chance <laughs> Even 48, like 48 is feels like significantly better than 45. Yeah, but no, I'm with you. 40, 45 says I'm going to 45 the special teams. 45 says I, I've been promoted from the practice squad. <laughs> like That's that's kind of what it says. No draft pick because, is like, oh, because you're going to play. Because you're going to play four or five games, <laughs> but he's an he's an actual rostered player, which is why I want him to change his number to something more legitimate. Mm-hmm. Maybe he has a personal connection to 45. Say fingers crossed, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, let's get our guy. You know, something in the 50s. Let's get him on the pod and ask him why he wears 45. Yeah, Flan, what's good? If you listen to the pod, come on, we'd love to have you. They call him Flan. Just hit hit cheese and get him on the pod. <laughs> Your guy. Final, final pick. Your final, final pick of pick six. Your final pick. You cheated, but that's fine. Go ahead. Cheated. Was. Yep. It was Debo Samuel. Yeah, I know you went chalk. Hope so. Going chalks cheating. (laughs) I picked. I picked George Kittle first. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Debo Samuel had a touchdown. What seventy nine total yards? Is my math correct? Call me when 89 total yards, excuse me. With a call touchdown. me, call me when we walk away from a 49ers game and go, yeah, Debo was not that good. There have been yeah. zero such games this year. That's a good point. Like, Where it's every like yeah, Debo game, didn't really show up. That's a good point because now, like, even if he's not catching passes, he's like gonna get five or six carries and probably score a touchdown or two. Yeah, like he's. He's unbelievable. He came into today with nearly 1,300 total yards from scrimmage. That's good, right? It's ridiculous. It's okay, I guess. 
Um, I'm looking at total scrimmage. Green yards. Bay, he had five catches for 52 yards, no touchdowns. Yeah, not great. But even like Jacksonville, one catch, 15 yards, eight carries, 79 yards, and a touchdown. He followed up that there have been, game with eight catches for 156 and two two touchdowns. Just ridiculous, man. He's he even returned unreal. a kick in that game. Um, three catches, 58 yards in the Trey Lance start. Yeah. Hey, Kyle Shanahan, maybe help Trey Lance out a little bit by getting Debo Samuel involved in the running oh, game. Oh, wow. Wow, you're going... Wow. Okay. <laughs> Going, going full bore. I like it. Just dive in. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan sabotaged Trey Lance with that game plan. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm I'm not fully kidding, but I'm not. It's not. <laughs> A lot of truth is said in jest. So that's that's pick six this week. Uh, who won? I had George Kittle, Eric Armstead, and Fred Warner. You had Nick Bosa, Robbie Golden, Debo. You win. Yeah, like Robbie Gold put me over the top. Yeah, if it was yeah, <laughs> Bosa, Debo, and eh, Robbie G though, bang bang, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, Is like there... we said, a nice win, man. Like a nice win for the Niners. Like they the the big thing to me that that mattered the most about Sunday is that it would have been so easy to look ahead to Thursday and right. and go, all right, preparation for Thursday's already started. Kyle Shanahan talked about it all week, how they're handling injured guys differently, knowing that they're on a short week. And it's just like, man, it would have been... The, the path was there for them to just come out and kind of lay an egg and you know maybe win by three or six and just kind of squeak out a win. But they dominated for 60 minutes. Yeah, they did. Like we like like I said, it was a game that you it was a performance that you wanted to see from a team that you expect to be in the playoffs. And now you play Tennessee on Thursday. Tennessee's lost three of four. And their offense sans Derrick Henry is a disaster. Yeah, is, I don't know if AJ Brown's going to be available in that game. Julio Jones left the game today with a hamstring injury. They lost to the Texans a couple weeks ago. Yeah, man. So they lost. They're coming up. So they beat the Rams. They've also and the lost Saints. to the Jets this year. They lost with to Houston, Henry. New England. They beat. They had their bye. They beat the Jags last week. They lost. They lost to Pittsburgh Sunday. I get the Niners. I I think somebody said the Niners were three point favorites. When the so, lines are set today or Sunday afternoon. So I just want to mention this on the pod because the the Cardinals not only lost to the Lions today, they got shithoused by the Lions. Yikes. Which was like not an outcome I was anticipating at all. I don't think anybody was anticipating it. But what that does. I just want to put this out in the universe because it's true. It's just a fact. It's a, it's a, it's a mathematical fact. The NFC West is still up for grabs. I have the uh, five thirty eight prediction pool up right now. Drop it on me because the, the, Cardinals, have an, the Cardinals Niners have an 88% chance at making the playoffs. Sure. It would have been like 33 or 36 or whatever. Had they lost today to the Falcons, which is why what are their, what are their odds of winning the division? Two percent. Okay, I'm just if the Cardinals lose out and the Rams lose, I think they need to lose two of their three going into the Niners game, and the Niners win out. Niners are your NFC West champs. It jumps to I'm just not ruling it out to five percent if they beat Tennessee. Okay, love this. And then, oh, this. And it, it's kind of unchanged depending on what happens with Houston. I think, I think the, the Rams, Rams the have West. the Rams. So the Cardinals are at 65%. The Rams are at about 31%. I don't know what the betting odds look like, but if you're into that kind of thing, I might bet the Rams to win the division because the, the Cardinals are without Deandre Hopkins. They just got wrecked by, they lost to the Rams, got wrecked by the lions and I think they still have the Cowboys on their schedule 
and the Seahawks, the Seahawks, and then one other team. Yeah, I think it was a good team. Yeah, they have they have two good teams left, and the Seahawks. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Rams win the division. That's all. And it's the door still open for the 49ers. That was the point of my. Yeah, yeah. I. I think my bigger point. So they have Indy, Dallas, and Seattle. The Cardinals do. Indy was the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Who's apparently pretty good. Um, my thing with the Cardinals and the way they've played the last couple of weeks, I know they beat the Niners twice, but like if you're the Niners, you would love to go to Arizona to play them in a playoff game. I think. Absolutely. Like the, Niners, the Niners beat the Cardinals with CJ Beathard as their starting quarterback last year. Yeah. And if the Cardinals and, are like a completely different team than what they were in September and October, like you feel great about that, given how familiar you are with that team and just, you know, the way they're playing right now. And just the fact they don't have JJ Watt, DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to be banged up even if he does come back. Well, we can talk about playoff scenarios later, but yeah, the bigger point is like Niners. I don't think they're hard. They're they're scared of Arizona at all. And it's tough to beat one team three times. Like, I don't trust the Cardinals to beat anybody three times in a season. And if the yeah. Niners are playing like this compared to the way the Cardinals are playing, I would feel great if I were the Niners and had to go to Arizona to win a playoff game. Play your best football in December. And that's what the 49ers are doing. They did it again Sunday. You got anything else for us, Chris? Uh, No, no, that's about it. We're, I take, Dynamite. do another pod Tuesday. Oh, we're, I was going to try and get okay. out without doing that. Yeah, no, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get another Maybe. pod out this week. We'll just do we'll do a preview pod. So no midweek, it'll just be a preview for Thursday's game against the Tennessee Titans. Okay. Let's do it. You have Titans folks we can get on the pod? I might know a couple guys. Sincere Titans guy? Alright. Cool. Yeah. Good stuff. That's all. And review. Wherever you get your pod. Yeah.